turn this morning to the gospel according to Luke chapter 7. And Jesus is out and about and this invitation comes to him. And this is what happens as Luke tells it. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with ointment. Part of the protocol of what the host should be doing when a guest arrives in your home. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, if this man, referring to Jesus, were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other owed 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now, which one of them loved him more? Which one would be more grateful? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said again to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she's anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. Forgiving God, we come into this place today with lives chock full of distractions, that things that pull us away from the main thing. We have our reasons for being here, and they are as many as the number who are here. For whatever reason that brings us in here, it is you, much like the host of that party who invited Christ, you invite us to be in this place at this time, at this moment. We ask that in this time you speak to us, unveil our hearts, open our ears, shape us. Oh God, 
Amen. So this story that we just read appears in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And whenever we talk about the Gospels, we tend to put them into two categories. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we put into the category of synoptic Gospels, we call them. The synoptics, we call them synoptics because they're kind of somewhat in sync with one another. Basically, they have more in common than not, and so they have a similar feel, have a similar run. They, so they're synoptic. So there's that one category. And then there's the other category, you know, John, the weird gospel, the odd gospel, the one that's just, you know, not like the others. And just somewhere out there is John doing his weirdo stuff, and it's a gospel for sure, but just out there. And so whenever we have a story like this one that appears similarly in all four of them, we're going to assume right off the bat that John is different. But that's not the case today. Today, Luke is the oddball. And it's not the only time that Luke does this. In fact, it's not. there are other occasions in which Luke stands out as unique. In fact, the two most famous, most well-known, arguably, stories in the whole of the Bible, the Good Samaritan and the parable of the prodigal son, both can only be found in the Gospel of Luke. So it's not the only time. And just here is one more place where Luke does something unique and different from the others with this story. In the other Gospels, the story of the woman with the alabaster jar comes at the end, right somewhere before Jesus is arrested and and led off to be crucified. Right towards the end is when Luke, I mean Luke, the other Gospels place this story. And they're not about the woman, they're about actually the ointment is their focus. This woman comes in and depending on the Gospel that you read, it may be a different person, may have a name, may not, comes in and anoints his feet, his head with oil and and washes his feet, and everyone gets in an uproar. Some's a crowd, some the disciples, and they say, Hey man, what are you allowing this for? That stuff's expensive. We could we could sell it and sell the proceeds and allow the proceeds to go to the poor. Why are you letting this happen? And Jesus says to them, No, 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 no. She's she's doing something very important. She's preparing me for burial. And it's a foreshadowing statement, of course, and so the ones that are in earshot of that are like, what? I, what are they, what's he talking about? What's this? That's what the other Gospels do with this story. But Luke is different. Luke is different. Rather than place it at the end of his Gospel, he puts it right smack dab in the middle of Jesus' ministry. For Luke, it's not about, and it's not focused on the value of the ointment. For Luke, it's focused on the sinfulness of the woman in the, in the, in the story. It's not, about any, it's not about burial preparations. For Luke, this is about forgiveness. 
In fact, in much the same way that he pulls in these unique stories to Luke of the Good Samaritan and the parable of the prodigal son that we know so well, here in just one more place, he takes a story that the other gospels actually use and he uses it different to highlight this notion of grace and forgiveness that runs right through from start to finish in the gospel of Luke. Such a prominent theme in Luke's gospel, even over and above the others. That's what makes Luke stand out and that's for Luke forgiveness is a very powerful word so in Luke right at this point in Jesus ministry he's invited to the house of Simon the Pharisee into this dinner so he goes and invited by a Pharisee so it basically means this is a big deal. It's big time. I mean, you don't just get in. Not everybody gets to go to the house of a Pharisee. It's official. You know, it's a big deal. So they're going to be talking about important stuff. We know. We, can, we just know. It's, this is important. We don't know what they're supposed to be talking about, but it's, it's something big. You know, it may be that he's kind of trying to get down to the bottom of what Jesus' ministry is all about. You know, those kinds of... Con- just, just what's actually going on here, young man. Let's get to the bottom of this deal. Maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's something else. We don't know. It doesn't really... What we know is that it's supposedly going to be an important, vital con- conversation. And then in the middle of it, they're all set up, ready to go. And, and up comes this woman who's brought this alabaster jar. And she starts... You know, anointing his feet with it, washing his feet and everything. And, you know, she's interrupting. They've got this protocol going on. Doesn't matter. He's already here. The host thing that Simon was supposed to do. She's already, she's, she's in the way. It's so obvious. She's in the way. This is odd. And, we, and so if you stop at this point in the story, you start asking yourself questions like, what's going, just something must be wrong with her. So Simon, instead of asking her, looks to Jesus and said, you know, says to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who she is and that she's really not supposed to be here doing this. He would know. And so for a split second, if even for a split second, we too look to Jesus. Yeah. Maybe you should know that this is odd. I caught it. I'm reading it. You didn't care. Maybe, what do you have to say about this whole thing? You know, as hard as it is for us to question Christ, we find ourselves starting to do it a little bit in this story. We're with Simon on this deal. What's she doing here? She's not supposed to be here. That's quite odd. What do you have to say about this thing? And all eyes are on him. And, of course, he does what he always does. He tells a story. So frustrating when he does that, yet so great at the same time, right? He tells the story about the creditor who forgives the debt of these two people, and one of it which owes 50 denarii, 50 days worth of wages, and the other owes 500 days worth of wages. And then he asks Simon, you know, which one is more grateful? Simon, who's, you know, good at math, we hope, just like us. I mean, it's simple. We know. We get it. 
the 500 guy. That's the guy. We know the answer. And we actually know and can sense what Jesus is already doing. He's starting to somehow paint a picture of connection between the 500 guy and the, and the woman sitting there right in front of him. That somewhere there's this connection of deep gratitude that he's going to live. And he confirms it by going on and saying, right, so here this woman has offered me the things that you, the host, are supposed to offer me. And she's done it in spades. She's living a life out of grand forgiveness. And what have you done, Simon? And so our attention goes from Jesus then to Simon. We're like, right, right, that's right. You, what, you're the one we should actually be looking at here. You, what have you done here? She's come in and done all this stuff, and clearly she's got a life of real gratitude going. What have you done except for find a reason to complain about this? Maybe you should are the one that's got something wrong going on and as Professor David Lose reminds us and points out that Simon makes us actually start to wonder if he's invited Jesus to his house with any sincerity at all. Maybe you're the one. We've got you pegged, we say. Right? Now at this point in the story, if I were good at directing plays which I'm not, but if I were, I think I would have Jesus stop and stand and turn and face the audience with what comes next. I'd have Jesus and Simon sitting at a table, you know, and in conversation about things that are important, and this woman comes in, and then the whole conversation happens, and we end up focusing our time on Simon after, and I would have Jesus stop short and stand up and turn to the audience and say, for the one to whom less is forgiven loves less, the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. I have him do that because I believe that that line in the story is pointed directly at us. That if you follow along the story long enough and read it long enough, you come to discover that it's about at that point in the story that we discover that we've just been duped. That's right. We've been duped. Oh, we bought it hook, line, and sinker from the very beginning. Right from the beginning of the story, we walked right into it. And that led us there, right? We were all too ready to point our finger at somebody and blame them for something. And started off with, the, this seems weird, the woman coming in here, and it must be her. She's not doing something right. I can feel it. I can, t- I can just tell. And then we, for a split second, even if it's momentary, start to question Jesus. And then Jesus points us to Simon, and we finally go, There's the one. It's Simon. It's you. You're the one. You're it. That's the problem, isn't it? We spend all our time looking at other people and don't spend much time looking at ourselves. The splinter in the other person's eye but don't see the log in our own eye kind of thing. The greatness of this story is that it clearly shows the one who needs forgiveness the most 
and it's us. We are Simon. But we need to learn from Jesus how to be more like the lady with the alabaster jar. Henry Nouwen describes forgiveness this way. He calls it the name of love practiced among people who love poorly. The hard truth is, he says, all people love poorly. The name of love practiced among people who love poorly. The hard truth is all people love poorly. Poorly. I've learned a lot about forgiveness in my life. I have a lot yet to learn. But I have learned some things. I've learned that forgiveness and trust are not the same. Forgiveness is something you offer, trust is something you earn. You can, in fact, forgive someone, but you may not trust them for a good long while, if at ever. There are boundaries in relationships that sometimes need to remain in place for the health of the relationship, even in forgiveness. I've learned that. I've also learned that forgiveness does not restore a relationship to some previous state of being in the past. I've learned that. That what's happened has happened and forgiveness can't change it. What forgiveness can do is open someone up to a possible future. I've learned it. I also know this. I know that, well, it's a hard truth what I'm about to share. I know that every single one of us, every single one, has at least one thing that needs to be forgiven in our lives. I also know that every single one of us has at least one thing that we need to forgive someone else for. In fact, if we were to get rigorously and brutally honest with ourselves, we would admit clearly that that list is longer than just one thing. In fact, for some, it may be quite extensive. But we each have our list. If you don't think so, then I'm going to challenge you on that and say you just might be fooling yourself. Our list is what makes us human. Our list is also what hinders our ability to love. But we have it. And I know my list. Do you know yours? I know someone who does know your list. God knows your list. Jesus knows what's on it. In fact, he's looking at it right at this very moment. 
looking over your list of things that you would write. And no matter what it is, no matter how bad it might be, it's, it doesn't scare him away. Not much does. In fact, he's looking at your list and he only wants you to know one thing. One thing only. He wants you to know that you are forgiven. You know that, right? That Jesus Christ wants you to know that you're forgiven. You might know it here. Do you know it here? Do you really? That's the question Luke's gospel is asking. Amen.